Hello and welcome to 1111 with me, Kirsty Olive. In this episode, I get to sit down with the wonderful Nadia, who was introduced to me by a friend of us. This is a conversation that I've been wanting to have for a really long time, and I know that you're going to enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. So welcome, Nadia, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Kirsty, and thank you very much for having me here with you. You're very welcome. So for those who are listening, Nadia was introduced to me by a mutual friend that we have. And she had so many fabulous things to say about you, Nadia, that I was like, okay, I have to speak to this lady. I have to know more. So with that being said, do you want to tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do? Absolutely. Yes. Oh, my God. Hopefully we have enough time. <laughs> so uh, so my name is Nadia. Bajrami is my second name. I, I spare people pronouncing it. Um, I am French. I've been living here in Dublin, in Ireland for the past six, six years now, six and a half years. And I um, I lived in Scotland for a couple of years. I lived in um, in Russia as well for a year. Travel the world. I speak six languages, and um, I have a corporate background. That's my just in a nutshell what I would say about me. And I'm a, an animal lover, a tea addict. What do I do? To I mean, what, how am I being of service to the world? I think this is how I like to say it. Is I am a multi award winning hypnotherapist, trauma focused hypnotherapist. I am a Reiki master. I'm a mind coach. I'm a grief certified grief educator, and uh, I like to say anyway a psychic medium. Um, it's part of me, so it's weird for me to say I'm also I am also a psychic medium because it it just comes with me usually. But I do that as well as teach people how to tap into their intuitive abilities, and I've been doing this um, as a career path for the past three and a half years now. Started in Ireland. Wow. I have, oh, I have so many questions to ask you. I don't even know where to start. Um, but something actually that you just mentioned at the end is helping people type it, sorry, tap into their own intuitive abilities. So this is actually something that um, I think a lot of women really, really need, especially mm -hmm. when they're healing from, you know, trauma or chronic pain or illness, because it can really cause this like disconnection from the self, this lack of trust in the self, and then by extension, like a lack of trust in intuition Absolutely. or these extra abilities that we have as women. Mm -hmm. So could you talk a little bit about that from your perspective? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I, I like to say that each single person, uh, that's a genuine thing I'm saying, I'm always genuine, but I like to say genuinely because Everybody has intuitive abilities. We all have innate abilities. We're born with some, you know, intuition. We bo we're born with some abilities. Let it be psychic, let it be mediumistic. We all are born with some abilities. And as we know, when we're children, you know, and for people, I don't have human kids. I have furballs, but I don't have human children. Mm -hmm. But people who have children will probably have heard their kids talk about sometimes imaginary friends, what we think are imaginary friends, or, or, or their children have insights or knowing things before they happen because from zero to seven or eight our rational brain our you know the, the conscious mind or let's say the prefrontal cortex is not really formed so this is where our intuition our abilities are really i would say 
very, very to, to the to their full extent, really, in a nutshell. And so everybody has them. And obviously, as we grow, our rational mind, our prefrontal cortex is forming. And then on top of that, life happens. It'll be trauma, you know, traumatic experiences, illnesses, things happen that will actually in some shape or form, disconnect us from our abilities, from our in, internal abilities. And then we won't even be, it's, it's quite a shame sometimes because we don't even know how to use what we call this internal compass because it is an internal compass that guides us. So for me, when people talk about gifts, I'm always a bit wary because I don't believe in gifts. I believe that we all have the abilities and that some people, like in my case or other people who are doing this as a career, we work and we train extensively to be able to provide the service to other people. But that is, is really important to, to talk about that we all have a potential. And then as life goes by, you know, it, it stays dormant, really. It stays dormant in us until one day, if we wish to, we, you know, we want to really use them. Not necessarily to work as, you know, doing readings or demonstrations of any spiritual work, but just for our own self. You know, somebody who goes through trauma. I mean, I am a trauma-focused hypnotherapist and I have all these sides to what I do. Somebody who has been through neglect in childhood or, or any type of uh, traumatic experiences, as they grow up, this becomes part of them. You know, it's like a weight on their shoulder that they carry within themselves. And then when they want to make a decision, something as simple as, you know, applying for a job or anything, well, the confidence will be affected, the self-esteem might be affected. And if they had the ability to go and tap into their intuition, into that, you know, full potential that they have, it would really make life easier. But that comes as a consequence with everything that happens to us, life, trauma, growing up. I don't like to say getting old, I always say growing, growing up. Uh, well, these abilities just really stay dormant within ourselves. And it's all about letting them out. So then when you go through this tough time, you can tap into that potential and get the confidence or or just the guidance, to be honest, you know, the guidance of what to do next or, or just maybe the guidance that it's going to be okay. I'm going to be fine, you know? Yeah, wow. I really love and I really want to just point out what you said there about, like, we all have it. And mm -hmm. even when we are a child, it's still there. It's within us. And maybe when we're younger, we're more open to Absolutely. it we're a bit more yep. connected to it and then mm -hmm. life happens society happens growing up happens yep. and so we maybe forget those natural abilities or become disconnected from them mm -hmm. but they are always there we always have them and it's Absolutely. just about learning to reconnect with them and to wake them back up mm -hmm. and I think especially um I just want to kind of ask something so one thing that I notice a lot I mean I have a lot of clients who are healing from trauma, but in particular, there's something that I tend to see a lot. So when clients feel really disconnected and fearful from their tuition, I get a lot of clients who are healing from abuse. Mm -hmm. So either an abusive childhood or abusive adult relationships mm -hmm. or both more often than not. And something that often comes up is after, for example, experiencing an abusive relationship or an abusive situation, eventually mm -hmm. separating from it and getting on that healing journey, they often are asking themselves, and I was actually thinking about this the other day, 
how do I know now when I get into like future relationships, whether this is my fear talking or my intuition talking? Um, like, how do I know what voice or how to trust again or how I can make the right decision without getting into another bad situation? Could you talk a little bit about that? That's an interesting question. And I think there's quite um, more to the question than just a, a very simple answer, because as we know, and as we both work with people who have experienced trauma, uh, you know, trauma tends to be quite a complex subject where you know, there's repetitive patterns, there's then, you know, attachment styles issues, etc. depending on, you know, what people went through. So obviously, when we are clearing, healing, uh, releasing from the body as well as the mind, then, you know, we're getting ready for something, I would say, healthier relationship-wise, for example, if we take that example. And yes, there is always the fear inside, and that is human. Let's face it. I always say to people, which sometimes sounds weird here in the, in the therapeutic industry, we have to stop pathologizing everything because having a fear or a bit of anxiety to reproduce the same pattern is not a problem. It's, it's, it's actually quite healthy to be aware and say, right, okay, am I going towards the same type of pattern or am I actually, um, am I okay now? And, you know, that is a very healthy question for me. It's nothing to do with, you know, being pathological. Now, how to distinguish the answer, you know, if it's your intuition or your fear or your wishful thinking as well as a third option. Sometimes it's the wishful thinking that is very similar to intuition. <laughs> uh, well, to me, from my spiritual work, my mediumship, my psychic work, I would say it feels different in a way where it doesn't feel that it comes from yourself. Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, fear is very clear. You know, I've been through difficult relationships. Okay. Now, when I'm meeting people, there is always that fear of, oh, it's going to be another, you know, the same type of person. Okay. That's fear. Fear of maybe commitment, fear of reproducing the pattern. When I meet people and I feel good about them. I still ask myself the question, right? Is it okay? Are you reproducing the same pattern? But when I read up into my intuition, so yes, it's in, it's within me, but it's not, it's the spirit within. So it's our spirit within that speaks to us, but I don't believe it's only the spirit within. I really believe it's the realm, the universe, whatever people believe in, and I don't want to go into any personal beliefs, whatever they believe in, whatever faith, whatever spiritual guidance they believe in, that is also helping them to get the answer and to tap into the spirit within. And when I mean it doesn't feel the same, it's more powerful. You will feel the answer uh, is different, you know, and you will it will become clearer. But to reach that stage, and that's an important point I need to raise, to reach that stage of trusting your spirit within, you need to have a history of, I was right. And by that, I mean, it's a tip I give to people I teach, for example. I encourage people to have a journal or a notebook or a pad or whatever where they actually write every time they have, you know, a hunch or a gut feeling or, or something. Write down what they, what they, you know, what they feel and then write down the result and mm -hmm. keep a record of that, which means that then when you get a feeling that reminds you, oh, I feel the same knot in my stomach and 
that day I was meant to go to that party. Then go back to your journal at the beginning, because then as people grow their abilities, they will really feel the difference. But we need to have some hard facts first to tell us, is it just because I fear to reproduce the pattern? Or is it really something else that is talking to me? And again, as you um, get more experience into tuning into yourself, you will feel a difference in energy. It, it feels nearly overwhelming sometimes how clear the answer becomes you know and another point just to finish on that i would definitely talk about clearing your mind so meditation is the best way but it could be anything else walking in nature again whatever people relate to but anything that can help you clear your mind so you are a clearer vessel to listen to yourself meditation for sure uh, would be uh, the best to sit in your own power to clear your mind a couple of minutes a day. Yeah. Again, just to to bring yourself to that level of receiving. Yeah. Then you know, right, that's not just me. There's more to this than just me, you know? We're co-creating the answer here. Yeah. Hopefully I, that makes sense. <laughs> oh my God, it makes perfect sense. And this is amazing because it really overlaps with a lot of what I do and teach. So I'm really seeing how these two maybe different approaches and different perspectives have the same underlying principles, mm -hmm. you know? So a lot of what I teach in relation to kind of rebuilding that self-trust and connecting with mm -hmm. intuition is about um, learning to come back into the body after trauma and to mm -hmm. feel um, into the body and to kind of notice those subtle sensory emotions or feelings that are going on just underneath the surface mm -hmm. so like you said the knot in the stomach or maybe the tension in the jaw those mm -hmm. things that sometimes when people have experienced trauma they don't even notice those things in their body anymore because they're very mm -hmm. disconnected so I teach that kind of process of reconnecting back into the body so that they can then slow down and I don't necessarily teach in terms of like daily meditation but just daily rest like daily doing nothing as then an opportunity to tune into the body to tune okay. into the self and to mm -hmm. notice what the body and the intuition is telling you but then like you said creating space to receive so Absolutely. it's really interesting to hear you kind of mirror that I think it's, it's all about it's all about going back and, and I think you've just said that in a very nice way. It's all about going back to yourself. Because when you've experienced trauma and we both know that from our the clients we work with, yes, they're disconnected. So they don't even know sometimes who they are. Or who am I now after the trauma? Because you know, I, I'll just take the example of um you know, a, a lady or a woman who has been in a, an abusive, physical abusive relationship, let's say. And I worked with somebody um, a while back who has been through through that and that type of abuse, obviously emotional and physical abuse, very often they go on in hand. Uh, and when she was out of the relationship and we, we did amazing work together and she really pulled through and rebuilt herself, then she came back to me to help her with more empowerment and moving forward because she said, well, now that's amazing, but I don't know who I am now because that's that's the me I knew in that situation. So who am I really now? And that 
I would say overlaps what you just said, because when I was talking about, well, how do you feel? We're talking about actually a job she was applying for. I said, well, I never even worked for decades now. I don't even know what it feels like to be competent for a job or am I right to be enthusiastic? You know, she was asking all those questions because obviously this connection of the disconnection, sorry, with who she really was. And it's all about rebuilding people to go within themselves again, really, step by step. Something that I really just noticed that when you were saying is one of the sentences that you said, and which was like, who am I now? Mm -hmm. And I just want to actually point out because yes, at the moment we're talking in terms of when you're healing from trauma or Mm -hmm. abuse or, you know, chronic illness, all instances where you disconnect from the body, from the self, lose that self-trust. But this also comes up a lot in mothers. So I often get women who, you know, they, their entire focus maybe for the past 15 years or something has been on being a mother. Mm-hmm. And so within that process, they've self-sacrificed, you know, and they've sacrificed their own needs, their own wants, yeah. their own energy, their own time. And so in that process, they've maybe lost themselves And then when their child goes off to college or, you know, their child starts being more independent, they're often at this same place of like not knowing what to do next, Mm -hmm. not knowing who they are, but also then as an extension of that, not being connected to their intuition or their inner power. And and that's, again, a very, very interesting topic as well, because I fully agree. We both work mainly with you know people who went through trauma but overall uh, and I think well we were born in that society in this time frame so we'll talk about this society here this timeline but we tend to again it is very very much linked to some type of trauma anyway but we tend to live for other people we have all been brought up or we were all sorry brought up in some shape or form to respect people, to be good to other people, to do whatever the people needed. And then if we had a bit of time, mm-hmm. if it was possible, uh, very in a very shy way, look after ourselves. Like, God forbid, call it self-care because that would really be selfish, you know? If you had a bit of time, then you can do something for yourself. Then obviously, all this energy we give to people, which is amazing, you know, mothers or whoever, people caring for other people as well, whatever it is, or, or even like, you know, yeah, caring, you know, families, friends, etc., codependent relationship, whatever that can be. Then we, it is easier because obviously our energy is, is um, directed towards other people, but we lose again here, as you mentioned, a sense of self because we give everything to people. And in some way, it sometimes is a trauma response because it's easier to give, you know, and then to be loved and accepted. But when it comes to yourself, then you don't really have a track record of, okay, so what what do I love even? Like, what do me I love? You know, when people divorce, for example, after decades of marriage, they realize that, hang on, do I really want to go on holiday to, I don't know, Brussels or whatever it is? I don't really like Brussels or I'm just throwing examples here. They start to really get to know themselves again because they live for and through somebody else yeah absolutely and 
it just goes to show that like for anybody who's listening who mm-hmm. maybe like there's not a moment or a time of trauma within your life that you're looking back on and you're pinpointing mm-hmm. that's not to say that you can't benefit from this work that we're doing you know that rebuilding the relationship with the self and the intuition because even something as natural and simple as being a mother and dedicating your life to raising your child or your children Mm -hmm. can also create those same kind of disconnections from the self and and also I mean we are as women in particular you know we are definitely brought up in a society where we're taught to be like good girls you know we're told Mm -hmm. to self-sacrifice we're told to give all of our time and energy to others like you said Mm -hmm. we're taught to put our own needs and wants last and that's why often women will feel guilty or feel selfish just for taking a bit of time for themselves Mm -hmm. and all of these different things can lead to this same result of needing to then rebuild your relationship with yourself absolutely absolutely and we see that a lot also i think you mentioned that before you know the emptiness syndrome where where the kids are growing up and they're gone and you're in your house on your own and so what do i do now i have nobody to look after i have nobody to drop to school um husband is working or whatever and then well it's only me with me now saying this it can also be it's not it can i def i think it definitely is very uncomfortable as well when we are faced with ourselves without whatever the situation was trauma not trauma uh looking after kids after uh, you know a parent etc because then you're like just you with you and as powerful as it is it is also painful because uh well it's about really yeah rebuilding and get to know who you are and then you're like you try to keep busy very often people try to keep busy to avoid that time with just themselves it took me a long time to just enjoy genuinely to you know have my cup of tea and the book and be with me and sometimes just i'm actually doing it on purpose i have a routine i'm very busy but i every week i have those two or three times where i just sit on a chair or on the couch with me me with have my have a me date as i call it yeah. It's a date with myself. And I just stay here and I think, right, I don't know, what, what are the emotions going through me? What is coming to my mind? What are the ideas coming to me as well? And then I write them down. But it, it is very uncomfortable in my uh, experience when you reach that stage of having to go within. But once you pass that uncomfortable step, then magic truly happens because you you open and like an amazing unlimited potential yeah wow that also makes me think of something else that you mentioned that it is what you do and part of that like you were saying you know having to sit with it and to be uncomfortable it made me think of the Mm -hmm. grief work that you do so you said that you're you is it a grief specialist a grief educator a grief educator so I mean because a lot of the time in these instances that we're talking about the reason it's gotten to this stage in the first place is because women have been like pushing these difficult things down for so long um and it's difficult to sit with them and I mean grief 
can be one of the hardest things to sit with and to experience. So can you talk a little bit about that and about the work that you do? So grief is a... (laughs) So a grief educator, it's, it's it's kind of coming to Europe now, you know, slowly. It is more common in the United States. So we've all heard, you know, about grief counsellors or grief, you know, counselling, grief session, grief support. Now, grief educators, so I, I trained with David Kessler, who is the international grief specialist and who also um, used to work with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who is the reference, you know, she's known for the palliative care, end of life, uh, the books she wrote and for the five stages of grief as well that she came up with and what do we do as grief educators and why why did i choose that so on top of the the trauma hypnotherapy i do because for my own life of grief different all the different people are lost but also because grief is not just death it's just not the death of the person it's that the end of a relationship i mean i speak to people who have been married for 40 years and then the divorce and then they come to me and this is a real pure grief because they don't know who they are because they were Mrs. or the wife of, you know, they were not, just, they, they kind of lost a bit their identity on the path, even though the marriage could have been a very successful one, but they lost a bit of themselves. So then obviously when the relationships comes to an end, well, the world also collapses. Uh, and I also worked with somebody who was a football player and got a very bad injury. It was a professional professional football player. And then obviously that is a huge grief because that gentleman could not compete anymore. So, you know, I think grief and trauma, and there is a lot of workshops at the moment, the webinars uh, around that grief and trauma are very much interlinked because when there is grief, there is not always trauma. And where there is trauma, there is always grief. This is something we all, all agree on. So, what do we mean by that? You know, for example, grief in itself, when you lose somebody dear to you, a loved one, a friend, a family member, a pet, whoever that is, most often than not, you have those core wounds that will come up as you're grieving. And I, and, and I talk about that because it's important to understand what, sorry, what grief is. It's not just, well, I've lost, you know, it's bad enough to lose somebody died. But it's every time in our life, at, at some stage, I mean, everybody will experience a grief, you know, at least once or twice. And for example, I had a gentleman I worked with on my grief education support program, which I will touch on later on. But he came to me in a session and there was a group session a while back. It's kind of a pilot group session I did. Um to, to just try and see what take the temperature and he came to the group a few times and one of the time he came he said Nadia today I'm warning you I don't want you to make me feel better I don't want to talk to you I just want you to know that I feel crap these were his words so do not try to make me feel better do not try to speak to me I don't want anybody to come and soothe me I just want my pain acknowledged mm. and and that's so that's my one thing. And then he kept telling me, do you, can you hear me? Do you hear me? Do you hear what I'm telling you? I said, yes, absolutely. And he kept repeating, do you hear me? And then we kind of talked with him about, right, who did not listen to you as you were growing up? You know what? Like, And then out of nowhere, this car wound came, you know, of love, not having a voice as he was growing up. 
and the person, one of the parents lost actually, uh, was the one that didn't give him a voice as he was growing up. So what I mean by that is you see that the link really between that the grief and the trauma, because quite often, not all the time, but um, grief will also lead to that revival of traumatic experiences. And I mean, I'm guessing that that's due to, say, for example, you do lose someone or you are experiencing mm -hmm. grief. I mean, anybody who's experienced grief in any form will know it's a very like intense, overwhelming, difficult to deal with mm -hmm. emotion or feeling. And so with that being said, I mean, when you're feeling great and you're in a good place and everything's going well, it's much easier to deal with your traumas it's much easier to mm -hmm. you know do all of the practices that you've been taught and to mm -hmm. you know make the changes and continue on that path but then when something really like rocks your world or your foundation something like grief it can then make it much more difficult to cope with just everything and mm -hmm. your trauma is obviously one of those big things that is then going to come up Absolutely, because, you know, grief is such a a powerful emotion, shall we say. I'm going to use the word powerful because it, it, it can bring anything, anything from the past, from the childhood, anything that we kind of buried or put under the carpet, anything. So and when we talk about grief as well, there's no timeline in grief. And I think you touched on that. There's no timeline, you know, there's no timeline. And grief is unique to each and single person. And as a grief educator, what we do is not just listen to people, it's listen to people, help them where they are on the journey. So we meet the person in grief, where they are on the journey, we walk on and home, knowing that they're, I would say, they're getting better, their healing lies with them, really. We're just walking the path with them and we meet them where they are on that journey and explaining to them that the grief, grief is unique. There's no timeline, but also it's not just helping them that way and walking with them. It's also challenging them. You know, it's also teaching about grief. And that's why this education piece comes. Teaching about grief, uh, explaining that, you know, um, for example, death shapes the grief or talking about guilt, challenging somebody when they think, you know, if you lose somebody, uh, God forbid it, you know, like, like somebody who would have died to suicide or you lose somebody to suicide or, you know, take somebody taking their own lives. Most often than never, there is some guilt. Person close to them, I should have seen it. I, I mean, why? How can I? I could have not seen it. What happened there? And then you live with the guilt. So. The grief educator will also come and challenge that as well, challenge the thoughts and challenge the stories. Because like anything, like trauma, like grief, they are the hard facts. In trauma, what happened to you is a fact. It happened to you. In grief, the person passed away. This is a fact. But then the human mind, to protect us, the coping mechanisms start to be created and we create stories. Stories around the death of somebody, stories around our trauma as well. You know, like when somebody has been through a type of traumatic experience in the childhood, again, most often than ever, you will hear them say, there's never anybody for me. I've done all this on my own. So what I mean is all these um, 
the grief education is very interesting because it's not just the support such it's it's the education part as well to help you think about your grief yeah hmm. i really i mean that's making so much sense to me and it, it, it's also interesting how a lot of what you're saying about grief is also very the same in terms of trauma you know like learning to kind of okay. educate people mm -hmm. on their trauma and to let them know that trauma doesn't have a timeline you know like everybody is at different places on that journey and we have to mm -hmm. meet them where they are at Absolutely. and be patient with that process you know like there's no rushing trauma healing there's no rushing experiencing grief um and so finding somebody who maybe understands that is really important rather than and like you said somebody who'll challenge you as well though you know because there's moments and there's times mm -hmm. where you do need to be challenged and where you do maybe need to step up or to see something from a different perspective or to be maybe <laughs> confronted with that for your benefit you know absolutely because you grow and and this is an interesting maybe expression but you go sorry you grow through your grief so you're not you know you don't overcome grief. I mean, let's again, let's face it. I think we need to debunk some myths. We don't overcome grief. We don't uh, get on with our grief. We don't. Uh, what is it that I hear sometimes? Anyway, uh, there's no, there's no such thing as, are you done yet? No, you will never be done because grief is now a part of you forever. So you are not the same person when you lost a loved one. In this case, or uh, I'm going to talk the death of somebody, a pet or a loved one or a whatever, you won't be the same person because a part of you is gone, but you're still alive. So what you do is just learning to live with the grief. So basically in incorporating the grief and how it evolves into your life and you just evolve with it and your grief changes. So yes, grief will change because you're still alive and you keep going. So your grief will change, but you never, you know, it's like probably the same, you know, I, that's why I said to my client with trauma, you don't, you can heal, but you don't change what happened. You can't bring the person back when they, when they died. You can't um, delete the fact that you, for example, were abused. Let's say, you know, if somebody was, this, these are the hard facts, but you just learn to live with your own timeline while also being challenged so you can grow and not stay stuck in a rut and then live alongside it's nearly like alongside your grief you know and alongside your trauma the trauma and the grief are then the facts what happened to you and then you just move along with them without as time goes by without that affecting you as much as it used to be without being like consumed by it which Absolutely. is often what happens yeah. with like grief usually um obviously if it's from like a loss would be more so in the moment and then over time but sometimes trauma the experience of that and the grief from that can sometimes mm. come up years later you know because often we kind of lock that away especially if we're in a situation where mm -hmm. it's not safe for us to process or deal with that in the moment um and so at the time where maybe this is all coming to the surface so maybe you've just lost a loved one or you're mm -hmm. you're beginning to unpack your trauma it can feel really really overwhelming and it can definitely feel as if will I ever 
feel better? Will I ever feel okay again? And, uh, and I, is that your cat? I'm, I'm a little visitor. <laughs> That's the beauty of, you know, live and filtered and edited. <laughs> I always say the best part of working, I mean, there's so many good parts of working online, but I love whenever <laughs> I'm teaching a practice or a meditation and everybody's lying down, I see everybody's cats. They'll come strolling <laughs> across the camera. They'll be looking at me. It's brilliant. <laughs> so that's the beauty of, yeah, yeah, the the, the real life, you know, yeah. real life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I was saying there was that even though in the beginning or when you're beginning to unpack this stuff, it can feel really, really overwhelming. And a lot of questions to yourself can come up, like, will I ever be able to have a normal life again? Mm -hmm. Like, will I can I even get through this can I overcome mm -hmm. this and so I love the way that you've just put it of that your grief will always be there your trauma will always be there but right now even if it feels like it's all consuming and it's mm -hmm. taking over your life there will come a time and the timeline is different for everybody where yeah. maybe the trauma is just there it's just with you it's something that you can see. It's something that you're aware of. Mm -hmm. But maybe it's not something that you're thinking about all the time. It's not yeah. something that's mm -hmm. consuming your every thought, your every action, mm -hmm. your every behavior. It's never going to just magically disappear because it happened. The grief, the trauma, it happened. Mm -hmm. um, but it's something that over time, as you heal, rebuild your relationship with yourself, as you sit mm -hmm. with it, as you process it, as you learn new skills, um to help you with that um it's almost as if you become able to hold it better you expand your capacity maybe to be able to to hold that and to feel that so that it doesn't feel as all-consuming I think absolutely and this is this is absolutely I mean I I totally agree with that and and it's I think because we know we all have a story you know and and and, and therapy we say very often that in hypnosis that you're not um an unfortunate victim of your past circumstances, but an ingenious survivor. Mm. You know, it's, it's, we help you then to just nearly, it, you know, in grief, we say nav navigate the rocky terrain of grief. Well, with trauma, with the same, it's, it's navigate this traumatic terrain. And it's basically, right, I'm surfing here. This is there. It happened to me. It's still painful. Uh, it's a little bit like, you know, when some people, when the temperature change and if they have a sore knee or they'll have a, like a sore elbow or something and they say, oh, the temperature is changing. I can feel it on my knee and my pain. Well, it's the same with trauma or oh, grief. As time goes by, again, no timeline. As time goes by, it will be different for everybody. The pain, well, you will have some surges of pain, you know. But you will... It won't last as much as it used to last at the beginning because you just learn through, obviously, uh, professional help, self-help, professional help. I will not um, repeat that enough, that when we are going through grief, through trauma, yes, absolutely, self-soothing, self-care, everything you can do yourself. But it's, it's, professional support is important because I don't believe that we can do it on our own, you know. and. It's very important because then these people will teach us, will give us tools to navigate those situations. And we say, 
in grief, and again, I, I work as much in grief as this trauma. I mean, both. In grief, we will say the pain is inevitable, but the suffering is optional. And the trauma is the same. The pain is inevitable. The pain was there on your body. It's, it's dropped in your body, in, in every cell of your body. But the suffering then is optional. And that's what I say when I when we say, when we talk about you're not an unfortunate victim of your past circumstances, you're an ingenious survivor. Because then you have a choice. Yeah. You have a choice to, right, I'm going to navigate one day at a time because trauma, grief takes time, takes people, takes reflection time, takes learning as well. And the more we learn, the more we get support, we get we build a toolbox. When I work with um, with adults, but also with children and with hypnosis, I will I always tell them it's a bit like Bob the Builder. Um, I'm here to help you build your little toolbox. And then when time gets tough and you have those surges of trauma or grief, well, you, you go in your toolbox and you use the tool you need to overcome that uh, wobble of that time of, you know, sadness. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, something that you just said there that I want to maybe give my perspective or a little bit of a reframe on mm -hmm. um, from my view, because something that you said really stuck out to me there. Um, is that you said, I don't believe that people can do it alone. And I believe that people need professional help. Mm -hmm. So that's a bit of a contrast from what I teach and from what I share with mm -hmm. people, which is fine. You know, there's lots of kind of different ways of doing things. But I want to actually point out because I think that it's more of just a language contrast rather than like the core teaching. Yes. Because yes. for me personally, so I, within my program and within my one-to-one -one mm -hmm. work, I'm really big on telling the women that I'm working with that actually like, you can do this on your own because mm -hmm. everything that you need to heal is it's inside within. of you. Yeah. And the journey is about you reconnecting to mm -hmm. yourself and learning how to unlock that intuition, that inner healer those different things that you already have inside of you in order to do this journey um, and kind of placing that power back on the client or the yeah, woman that yeah, I'm working absolutely. with. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of want to point that out because I know that from what you're explaining to me, you're mm -hmm. also explaining that I'm empowering they have it within them. them. Exactly, exactly. You so help I them. You know what I mean? They difference. need help. What I mean by they need professional help, that they need a facilitator. I call myself a facilitator because once I help them build a toolbox, they get on with their own toolbox. Yeah, you know exactly. But, at, but in these circumstances, and you're the same, you're facilitating this journey for them. And that's probably, as you, as you rightly so pointed out, when I say you need help, you need to get somebody to help you tap into this. Yeah. That's... Yeah, exactly. And what that's I why I wanted to point it out because I knew yeah. I was like, this is a language um, kind of conflict rather than actually mm -hmm. essence. Because underlying what we're both seeing is the same thing is that Correct. every person, every mm -hmm. woman has mm -hmm. that power inside of them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes yeah. through trauma, through life circumstances, chronic illness, grief, whatever it is, 
they've become disconnected. And so what we both do in our own kind of ways is to help them connect maybe to that toolbox that they have inside of themselves and to trust in it and to believe in it again. And 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 that's very thank you for pointing this out. And 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 absolutely because it is something actually extremely important to me. And that's at the core of my own therapy or my grief work. And that's exactly what I tell people is it's to empower them. And when people come to me, I mean they come to me as long as they need and then it's like I don't want to say I set them free, but I tell them I'm not here to be a crutch. You have to go now because sometimes people keep like, oh, maybe I can do another session and maybe no. When we reach the end of what I can do for you, then you build your own, as I said, toolbox and, you know, you get on with your life. And if you need to come back for a top up or something, absolutely. But it's very important. And again, thank you for pointing this out because the core of what I do is to tell them you have it within you and we just help you unlock it. But you need that person because when you're in grief, at the beginning, you don't want anybody. Yeah. because that's how it works most of the time then you're opening up to the fact that maybe somebody can help me see something i'm not seeing because trauma like grief our vision is is clouded you know we're like into it so we don't see it and we need when again could, could call it professional help could facilitate it, whatever it is but the third party was the skills to bring us to the stage that we can tap into our own selves and then get on and rebuild ourselves ourselves I also think yeah. there's so much power in that because something I like to say a lot is that mm -hmm. just because you can do it on your own doesn't mean you have to. You don't, you know, that's exactly yeah. what I do. You don't and have can, to. Yeah, <laughs> and it can feel, I mean, something that I remember from my own journey of healing from trauma mm -hmm. was that, I mean, this was at a time in my life where I was very fearful of the world I was suffering with a lot of anxiety a lot of panic attacks I was afraid to leave the house most days um and I was just afraid of people in general you know I felt like I never want to see or talk to or face another person ever again mm -hmm. and what really kind of transformed and changed my journey was the kindness of other people and the help of other people. And more often than not, these other people were complete strangers to my life. Like they weren't family or people I had grew up knowing or these were people who I had just met or who were coming into my life, who like you said, had like maybe the knowledge, the skills, the resources, or even the connections, you know, setting me up for appointments with their friends or somebody that they knew. And it was actually the point where I realized like, okay, it's actually safe for me to like bring in another person here. You yeah. know, it's safe for me to receive help. It's mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. for me to let another person in. Um, and there was something just really like this relief, you know, yeah. of like, Thank God I don't have to do this on my own. On my own, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and I think this is what we both uh, are actually saying and, and doing because um, we both in our own life, in our own way, went through, you know, our fair share of, of traumas. And it's if, if I can help you shorten a little bit some part of the journey, then here we go, you know, the help is here. 
and and it's also think something again not every therapist likes to say and <laughs> they'll end up blacklisting me here in ireland <laughs> <laughs> no no i'm joking uh is that um in grief we say it a lot as grief educators and our teacher david kessler says that a lot our life experience you mentioned people who have been through the same thing our life experience is probably the best school as well because the grief world we have a lot of peer-to-peer work as well you know the peer peer-to-peer organization where let's say people who have lost a child and they, they work with you know groups of other people who have lost their children who are at another level of their grief journey etc who can now look after some people or help other people and i genuinely believe you know I do believe in professional help. I do believe in therapy. I I wouldn't be a therapist otherwise. But I also know that life experience Mm -hmm. is an amazing teacher. You know, so when people have have this life experience and they've had their own healing tools, healing journey, these are also the people worth knowing and worth having in our life as well to get another perspective on how we can take the next step to feeling better. I always talk about that little next step because um, I I don't believe in, in trauma or grief in giant leaps. <laughs> I believe in that little step. So you, you're gentle with yourself and you take those little steps to rebuild yourself. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes these other people, whoever it is that we, mm-hmm. we trust and we bring in on our journey, like sometimes they can just remind us of that stuff that we've forgotten you know like sometimes we might be stuck in a certain place and when I say this I'm specifically thinking about my own experience with Sharon Mm -hmm. when we went to college together um because we were actually so for those listening Sharon is our mutual friend who put us in contact and so when me and Sharon went to college together actually and I've talked about this on the podcast before um she actually coached me for a few sessions and at the time I mean I went to that program to do coaching for other people Mm -hmm. but it completely changed my own life you know from that process of being coached but also learning these different tools and skills and something for me that I realized was that at the time I was really locked in to certain perspectives in my life you know so I was in a corporate job at the time and I mean I was on a lot of money I had a great career path I was great at my job you know um and so I had kind of really locked myself into like this being my my yeah (laughs) yeah I was like no like everything's falling into place for this job that means that it's the right path and Mm -hmm. um I had really talked myself into it and it was actually through Sharon coaching me and she was asking me you know different questions that just really like blew open my perspective Mm -hmm. on what I thought so originally when I went to this program this is funny was to become a better leader and coach in my current job role what actually ended up happening (laughs) was that I realized oh no this isn't the job for me I need to be free I need to go out I need to you know be of service to the world in my own way um and so but I might have 
sorry, not might have. I definitely would have gotten to that point eventually. Mm -hmm. I know I would have because I was physically unwell from demanding what I was demanding of myself in that role. But also Mm -hmm. I was just emotionally and mentally unhappy from living my life in a way that just didn't Mm -hmm. feel authentic. But so I would have gotten there eventually. It would have come to a head Mm -hmm. and I would have decided to leave. But what happened was that working with Sharon in that way just really accelerated it, you know, Mm -hmm. by years, I can imagine. Because Mm -hmm. the job I was in and the money I was on, I could have stayed there for a lot longer before eventually realizing, like, this is not what I need to be doing. But by working with somebody else who I trusted and who was challenging me, you know, like challenging Mm -hmm. my beliefs, Mm -hmm. challenging my perspectives, She really allowed me then to like to up level myself, you know, and to stop playing small and to be like, okay, I need to get real with myself here and I need to believe in myself. And so even though that's more of a say self-development perspective rather than like a trauma. Yeah, but it's interlinked in some way. Exactly. Yeah, because a lot yeah. of like those maybe beliefs that I had about myself at the time were fear-based. Like I can't mm-hmm. leave this secure job that. And that's a trauma response. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but then Sharon is amazing. I mean, in fairness, you know, it is, it is. And I'm very happy she put us in contact and people are listening as well. It's a shout out to this lady. Yeah. Um, and she's definitely amazing, but I resonate with what you say because I had, um, met hypnotherapists i had actually three brain surgeries uh, at the time um had brain tumors etc and i was a sales director and a lot of money nice car and everything and when i got really sick i said right i need to find my path and it's not selling it's not traveling the world to sell and i found a hypnotherapist where i was living at the time in france because i've always i was always passionate about the mind the subconscious mind the power of the mind found this lady worked with her for two years and she helped me to move to Ireland, basically, not physically, but she helped me unlock my own trauma responses and overcome them. So a bit similar to you with a different person, but that's the person also who inspired me to be to become a hypnotherapist, a trauma-focused hypnotherapist, to work on grief. But without working with this lady, I had lost my dad when I was nine and I lost a lot of other people. And it was total unprocessed grief, 27 years of not grieving. And then when I worked with her, I could have gone another 20 years if I didn't work with this lady. So absolutely, it's just to explain to people that, of course, we do help people uh, to be independent. That's what we do. You know, you, you give the tools. But when you also have other people that have been there, done that, wore the T-shirt, as we say, and it can help you to shorten your pain <laughs> a little bit, you know, well take the opportunity and you know it's always worth even have a coffee talk to them listen to them because we all need to be challenged at times to get out of the rut that we are stuck in because we are very often ending up in a rut due to fear you know even if it's a comfortable rut it could be a very comfortable <laughs> one yeah my job just like yours probably yeah. very comfortable as a rut but <laughs> our body was talking to us you know when you get sick and your body is just telling you right okay the universe whatever you know we are talking to you and saying, you're not on the right track here. 
And I mean, I was so in denial about it. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> so sitting in these sessions with Sharon and these things were coming up. I was gen genuinely sometimes like, oh, do you know, like really taken aback by some of the realizations that were coming up at the time, which I'm so grateful for now. Um, but at the time, like my mind was totally like, what? You know, like I've never realized this mm -hmm. before. Or I've never looked at it that way before. Um, and so it's amazing to have somebody, like you said, to support you through that, to teach you the skills. Yeah. But also I think sometimes sometimes having somebody else who really genuinely believes in you and, and has cares. confidence and, in you because yeah. I remember I used to go and sit down with Sharon and like whenever I'd be like okay so this has happened during the week she'd be genuinely just so happy for me and like cheering me on mm -hmm. and like Kirsty you can do it like and really do you know like giving me that confidence boost that I needed at the time you know and it's not necessarily that I lacked confidence mm -hmm. it was just more so that I had maybe disconnected from it you know like I was just so focused on getting to work getting through the day getting this job done to perfection that I had just kind of disconnected from these different parts of myself you know and so she really helped me to reconnect with that and I guess that's what comes from trusting another person or just meeting other people who are on or who've experienced this journey and yeah. who can support you on it there is so much power in that absolutely and it, and it is like co-creation at its best yeah. to be honest because it, it starts coming together with like-minded people who have walked a similar path maybe not the same because we're all unique you know our stories are unique but who also by what they went through first of all care for us but give us hope, challenges that give us hope as well. That ah, hang on. So yeah. there is there is a way to feel a little bit better. Yeah. You know, there is also that glimpse of hope when when you see somebody who's been on a similar journey and you think, oh well, I can do that myself. You know, I can do it now as well. And and I, I think talking about anything in life, I don't believe um, it's something I heard on the podcast actually this week was very interesting. When, you know, we tend to say sometimes, well, I did all this on my own. It's, I did this on my own. Actually, we never do anything on our own, you know, because there's always, when we say on our own, we mean, oh, yeah, nobody gave me the money. Or nobody opened the door for me, right? But you never did it on your own. You know, even if you created your company, you needed the accountant, you, you needed somebody. I mean, you needed whatever, your advisor, you needed your bank account. We never do things on our own. Like it's a co-creation. And healing trauma grief the grief journey as well whatever like in life really it's about co-creating as well that space for healing and i think now more than ever um if if something the pandemic probably taught us is that we can connect to the whole world we can speak to different communities we can speak to people who would have never even dreamt of being able to speak to before and that also used in, a, in, in, in an irrelevant way helps us on that healing journey because you hear stories. Sometimes just, as I said, connecting on a Zoom call or a masterclass or where people are sharing, having a cup of tea and listening to people's stories, you think, oh, right. You know, you have this light bulb moment. I said, oh, hang on, I never thought about that. And this lady went through the same thing. 
and she did that. Maybe I could try. I mean, it's that's also how we strengthen ourselves. It's really by getting inspired by other people who genuinely care, you know, about what we've been through. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so there's one more thing that I want to ask you about before we finish up, and that's about hypnotherapy. So I don't know why, but recently just hypnotherapy seems to be coming up on my radar a lot. <laughs> and it's something that I, I'll be honest, I don't know tons about, but I'm very interested in because it's been just coming up more and more recently for mm -hmm. me. So the synchronicity, you... Kirsty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then when Sharon put us in touch and then I seen that you're a hypnotherapist as well, I was like, okay, this is meant to be. <laughs> so can you tell me a little bit about hypnotherapy and just so, especially in terms of, you know, like trauma and grief? And... Uh, absolutely. Well, I mean, hypnosis in itself is what we call an altered state of consciousness or a heightened state of awareness. So it's not woo-woo, it's not magic, it's not I'm going in la-la land or another dimension, because people always have the picture of what we call stage hypnosis, where you have a pendulum, you close your eyes, and, and then you run and you do silly things. So this is stage hypnosis, it's entertainment. Now, clinical hypnosis and therapeutic hypnosis is helping a client to reach a heightened state of awareness or that heightened state of you know consciousness to bypass the conscious mind, our rational human brain, so that we can speak with our hypnotic language and techniques to the other part of the mind, which is the subconscious mind. Now, why is it important to do that? Because the subconscious mind rules 95% of your life. It is the habit mind. And obviously, because it rules 95% of your life, 95% of what you do is automatic in life. You want to make a coffee in the morning, you press the coffee machine, you need to do your washing, you're going to switch the washing machine on. It's all automatic. So what we do with hypnosis is, as I said, relax the conscious mind so we can access all the programs stored in the subconscious mind. I just want to see the subconscious mind is like a huge storage unit. It's like a warehouse where everything is just piled on up on each other. So everything that happens to you from birth to the age we are now is just going into your subconscious mind and gets stored there. So in trauma, for example, experiences, obviously, because it's not a positive experience, the program that is stored in the subconscious mind will be quite a negative program. So because the subconscious mind can only run with what is in the warehouse, you run on a loop, you know, you create patterns. It's like a cycle that you can't break because... The subconscious mind is trying to keep you safe. For example, when you have, uh, let's say, social anxiety, somebody's been bullied, for example, then they develop social anxiety. And the adult person then will tell you, I don't know what's wrong with me. I mean, I'm 40, I'm 45. I mean, what is wrong with me to go to, you know, gatherings or football matches? It's because the subconscious mind wants to prevent the person to be hurt like they were hurt as a child. The only problem is because the subconscious mind has not been the program has not been changed, the subconscious mind still thinks every social situation is a threat. Yeah. So it just sends the signal of you're not safe, anxiety or whatever it is. You know, anxiety is a symptom, as we know. It's not a problem. It's something that keeps us safe, but to a certain degree. When it's too high, then obviously it hinders us. And in case of trauma, um, it will definitely be very high most of the time because it's it's that state of alert, hypervigilance. 
that keeps us safe. And what we do with hypnosis then, through hypnotic language, suggestions, reframing, imagination, imagining scenarios while the person is in that relaxed state, we basically change the programs. So I compare the subconscious mind to a huge warehouse. I also compare it sometimes to the soil of a garden where you need to weed out and then plant new seeds. So the weeding out process, the clearing process can take some time mm -hmm. to, to, to take all those weeds out and those old programs and step-by-step -step replace by more positive ones uh, according to what objective the client is uh, trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. Case of trauma, as I explained, it's a lengthy work, so it can take a good couple of sessions. Uh, it requires consistency. But then the person will have their toolbox. You know, the program will be changed. And then we teach them coping mechanism, positive one. We teach them through mind coaching, through positive psychology, CBT, etc. And there'll be some techniques to use in their conscious life, in the everyday life. So that's how it would work. It's really that weeding out through a heightened state of awareness, planting new seeds, which then session to session start to bloom and to grow. And then you have your gardener tools or your toolbox and you then you can water your garden yourself. That's a really amazing way that you've just explained that by the way, because that's making total sense to me. Um, so thank you so much for that. And so I'm just wondering, do you know, because obviously for yourself, you have different like methods and therapies mm -hmm. and stuff that you do. So in relation to hypnotherapy, like who, I mean, who is it for? Is it for anybody that's experienced Anybody, 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 and generally anybody, anybody at all uh, would experience, would, would benefit from hypnotherapy. Now, bearing in mind, we have some counterindication, which... You know, like any anything. Now, yeah. hypnosis in itself is absolutely safe. There is no, you can take medication. You, some people can be an antidepressant, anti-anxiety tablets. They can do hypnosis, no problem. Uh, I mean, there is a, a couple of counterindications and psychosis is one of them, for example. People with medical diagnosed psychosis, uh, hypnotherapy is counterindicated. Again, some people might do it. I, I don't know. I don't. But there is a couple of, of really small number of, of cases where it is counterindicated. Other than that, hypnosis being a safe, it, it's just helping you go into that heightened state of awareness and replacing programs. But it's, it's very powerful. So it can really benefit from children to seniors to whatever is going on in your life. But it's extremely powerful. It is, by the way, one of the first modalities used for trauma healing, wow. even before psychotherapy at the beginning if we go back to the origins of, of different techniques you know because it also helps you reprogram the mind but also release the trauma from the body it helps you do it it doesn't do it we don't do anything as i say just like i say i don't when people give me a testimony i say oh you've changed my life i said well you were ready to change your life i just taught you the tools. yeah you know not me i don't do the work it's they have an active part that's an important thing of hypnosis Every client is an active player in the therapy. It only works when they're an active player and they're committed, you know? And when people sometimes fear, oh, am I losing control? Uh, no, I need your agreement. I need your willingness to do it. That's how it works even more, you know? That's so interesting. And it sounds almost as if it's 
like helping to rewire those neural pathways. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. That's exactly how we work. And that's why it's powerful. I mean, and, and I've experienced it. That's why I'm using it. I know it changed my life where I never thought it could really help in, in such a way working with this amazing lady in France with whom I'm still working now six years later from a business mindset. We do a couple of sessions. So it just shows how powerful the mind is. There's nothing else to see how powerful. And again, to come back to what you said before, how much power we all have. Yeah. Because saying our mind is powerful means we have the power. Yeah. It just needs to be brought back to, to reconnect the subconscious and the conscious. So the conscious is aware that, ah, I've got that now. You don't need to keep running in safe mode. Like a computer, when a computer goes, well, the older computer, now we don't really have that. When they used to go into safe mode, you know, you, you could only operate some of the applications. Yeah. But the same thing now with our mind, you know, the mind will push you to go into safe mode, especially when there's trauma, and then you can only operate to a limited, you know, extent. Uh, so, yeah. That makes perfect sense. And I'm wondering, like, when somebody, for example, comes to you or comes to hypnotherapy, are they coming, like, with one specific, like, thing? So do they have, like, a pattern in mind or a self-limiting belief in mind yes. or something yes. that they want most to work the, on? Yeah. Well, most of, I give a free discovery call, first of all, in any therapy and coaching or grief work. I never take anybody with having having like a free call to screen them and me. So I'm sure I'm the best fit for them and I'm sure they're the best fit for me. Now saying this, when we do the call, the free call, they'll come and uh, they'll have an, they'll have an idea already. 90% of the time they think, and, and I love it because sometimes they come with some technical terms and, you know, they go on Google, Google is my friend, you know, and they look for what is it I'm suffering from. <laughs> so then sometimes I have a list of conditions <laughs> <laughs> that they would like to work on and and to be honest it's never the problem obviously we never really start working on that you know like somebody would come for weight loss uh, i have a lady actually came for weight loss uh, a good while back the first thing i asked her is were you bullied in your childhood and then she started crying she said yes how did you know protective weight so we're not going to work around your weight loss just now. We're going to work around how you still feel about what happened to you so that you feel compelled to add more layers to your body. You know, So that's what I love about it as well. We all as humans think, oh, that's what I want to fix, knowing that we don't fix people because breaking news, nobody is broken, just so they know. We're all whole beings. We are, we're just healing. We don't need fixing. Yeah. But it's most of the time anyway never the root cause yeah so they'll usually come to you and they have an idea but you mm -hmm. maybe help them to dig deeper and get to the Absolutely. root of whatever yeah. that is and then yeah. that's where you start that's right yeah so interesting i was dying to ask you about hypnotherapy i was like tell me more i need to know and um, so <laughs> thank very, you so I love, much i love i really love what i do and hypnosis is just i don't know it's just such a a powerful modality and and it's just i i know myself like and nowadays all the, the motivational speakers all the gurus in the world will speak you know in the person development world and the trauma healing world will speak about the power of the subconscious mind the power of that altered state of consciousness where the change happens you know and change becomes sustainable as well
it also sounds, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you're the, the expert on this, but it sounds as if it could be really helpful in, I mean, do you know sometimes when somebody wants to move forward or heal or to get unstuck, but maybe they're just really overwhelmed or things are a bit too intense for, for them at the moment? Sounds like that maybe hypnotherapy could help like you to, said, to, to start the releasing process, you know, to start yeah. bringing them to a certain place of more comfort. Yeah, so that they can then start with different methods. And... Absolutely. And yeah. that's what I love about Sharon, to come back to Sharon and uh, our, our dear friend, is we laugh uh, together because I said, well, I have them first and then she has them after me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I help them with a part of the journey and then she helped them build other tools for yeah. the next part of their journey, you know? Yeah. The power of that leadership and coaching that she has and the power of therapy, you know, combined is just amazing. Yeah. Wow. That makes perfect sense. Thank you so much, Nadia. It's been really, really interesting. It's been amazing to finally get to do this Absolutely. and to get to chat <laughs> to you. Um, I'm sure we'll do something again in the future. Sure, I'm sure it is. Yes, yeah. yes. I don't believe this is the last time. <laughs> Definitely. So for those who are listening, could you just tell everybody where they can find you? And I mean, we'll put your links in the yeah. bio in the description, but just to give a little shout. Yes. So uh, my website, www.nbhypnotherapy-mindcoaching.com. Uh, other than that, put my first name and my surname, put Dublin next to it. Guaranteed, there's only one. <laughs> you will find the social media, the, the Instagram, the Facebook, the LinkedIn, um, Pinterest, whatever, Etsy shop. You'll find everything with my first name, uh, Nadia, with a J, IGA, Bajami, uh, and Dublin, or hypnotherapy, or coaching, and you'll find uh, all my social media for sure. And I'll be delighted to, to you know, uh, answer any questions, but it was a real pleasure, and I really hope everybody benefits from this. And thanks again, Kirsty, for having me. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Thank Speak you. See you soon. Bye. Yeah. Bye bye.